Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the Passover lamb as we pick up in Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. So in Exodus, we have God laying out the Passover lamb, which is a type of the lamb of God for Jesus. It was the night in which he had the Passover supper with his disciples that he took the Passover elements and said, hey, this is me, this is me. Don't you understand? It's me. I'm the Passover lamb. This cup is a new covenant. It's in my blood. No longer the lamb in Egypt and the blood of the lamb in Egypt. No longer does this feast carry you clear back to Egypt. This feast now carries you back to the cross of Jesus Christ. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death, not the death of the lamb in Egypt, but the death of the lamb of God. You do show the Lord's death until he comes. And so the feast was inaugurated, but it was inaugurated to remind, yes, but also to look forward to the fulfillment of what that lamb in Egypt typified, the lamb of God slain for our sins. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and you shall keep it a feast by the ordinance forever. Seven days you are to eat the unleavened bread. Even the first day you'll put away leaven out of your houses. Now what is leaven? It's yeast. And what is yeast? Decomposition. The breaking down of substance. And thus, leaven has become, throughout the Scripture, a type of sin. Because of its decomposition, its breaking down, its effect of just permeating the whole by a process of deterioration or breaking down. And it becomes a very fit picture of sin. Any sin tolerated or allowed has a way of just expanding until it takes over and controls your life. But it brings into your life that element of decomposition, the breaking down, filling the whole life. And so leaven was to be excluded. They were to eat the unleavened bread, memorial. Seven days you'll eat unleavened bread, and the first day you'll put away leaven out of your houses. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And thus the the bread of of the Passover, the, the middle wafer, was representing Jesus Christ. In the Passover meal, they have three wafers of unleavened bread in this little napkin thing. And they take the middle wafer, and they break it, and then they hide it, and the children have to go and find it. Now, why they do this, they really don't know. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, this 
bread is my body broken for you. They break it. And even as he was in the grave for three days, they hide it. And then they discover it, and there's great rejoicing when it's discovered, a big celebration. They found the broken bread. It was brought out. What a day it's going to be when Israel discovers the bread of light, Jesus Christ. For if the cutting off of Israel brought salvation to the Gentiles, what will it be when they are restored? But the kingdom, the kingdom age, the entering into the kingdom age. And so they're, they're being cut off, brought salvation to Gentiles, but God is going to restore them again, and when he does, it's going to be life for the world, the kingdom age being brought in. So the inauguration of this Passover feast, the Lord said in verse 16, And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them except that which every man must eat. That only may be done of you. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day I have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. And in the first month, on the 14th day of the month in the evening, you will eat the unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. Seven days there will be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eats that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Ye shall eat nothing leavened in all your houses, shall ye eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop, little scrub bush, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side post with the blood that is in the basin and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. Now, as long as you were in the house where the blood was applied, you were safe. If you went out of the house, then you were no longer safe. The only place of safety is in Jesus Christ. He said, abide in me. And let my words abide in you. And if any man abide not in me, he is cut off. And like a branch withers and dies, and men gather them and throw them into the fire. Abide in me. And he emphasizes the importance of abiding in him. I really am not concerned about the past experiences that you may have had in Jesus Christ, I am concerned with your present relationship. For any past experience that you may have had with God, no matter how dynamic, has no value unless it is translated into your present experience. Abide in me. So let them stay in the house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer 
So with the Lord, there was to pass with him this destroyer. He is called by many the death angel. The scripture just calls him the destroyer. He will not allow the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. Now it is interesting to me that Satan is called the destroyer in the book of Revelation. I do believe that Satan is bent upon destroying people. I do believe that God does put limitations on what Satan can do. I believe that Satan operates only within certain boundaries that have been prescribed for him by God. We often make a mistake of thinking of Satan as the opposite of God. He is not at all an opposite of God. In no way is he an opposite of God. Satan would more apt to be an opposite of Michael or Gabriel, angels of God, but is not an opposite of God. He opposes God, but is not the opposite of God because his power is so limited. His authority is so limited. He only works within the limits that God describes and defines for him. And I believe that if it weren't for God's protecting hand, Satan would have already wiped all of us out. He's bent on our destruction. I believe that God restrains him. Now the destroyer passing through the land, God allowed him to smite the firstborn. Where the blood was upon the house, God passed over that house and did not allow the destroyer to enter in to destroy. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. It shall come to pass when you come to the land which is the Lord will give to you according as he has promised that ye shall keep this service or this celebration, this feast, this festival. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, what do you mean by, these, by this service? That ye shall say it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed their heads and worshiped. And the children of Israel went away and did as Moses had commanded, Moses and Aaron, so they did. So the, the, the purpose of the feast was a memorial, a reminder of what God had done, but also it was to create a question in the mind of the children. God is always creating questions in the minds of children. You ever notice how many questions they ask? The purpose of God creating questions in the minds of children is that they might learn. God deliberately creates questions in their mind to give you an opportunity to teach them the things of God, to make them conscious and aware of God and the presence of God. Where did trees come from? Why are roses red? How can a fly fly? How big is God? the questions that God creates in the mind of the child that give you the opportunity of unfolding to that mind 
the understanding of the infinite God to bring that child into a knowledge and a loving relationship with him. God is always creating questions, deliberately setting things out to create questions in the mind of the child to give you the opportunity to teach. And so when your children shall say, what is the meaning of this service? Then you have the opportunity of sharing with them what God has done, the power of God that was demonstrated. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all of the firstborn of the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, to the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all of his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up, get out of here from the people, both you and the children of Israel. Go, serve the Lord as you have said, and take your flocks and your herds, if you have said, Be gone. Now, you remember earlier he had offered compromises. Go, but leave your children here. Go, but leave your flocks here. Go, but don't go very Go in the land. Worship God in the land. And now he is, he's just not offering, get out of here. Get out of the, get into the wilderness. Take your flocks, take your children. Just go. And then he says, pray for me. It's interesting, no matter how pagan a person is, they surely appreciate prayer when they're in trouble. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we'll all be dead. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they asked of the Egyptians instead of borrowed, jewels of silver, jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they gave rather than lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth. And there were about 600,000 on foot that were men beside children. Now, if... 600,000 that were men used in a generic sense, it would mean that there were 600,000 adults. And then besides children, which would give you a, a, a possible 1,500,000 people making the exodus at this point. If it was 600,000 men, men, plus then there are 600,000 wives plus their children, you have over two million that are making then the exodus. There is no way for us to know for sure uh, the full number because we don't know if the men just is a, a term that is referred to the adults above 21 years old or refers to men as such. And then beside children, why doesn't it say beside women and children? So that's something for you to not get worried about. It's a big group. <laughs> Either way you look at it. And there went a mixed multitude with them 
and their flocks and their herds and very much cattle. Now this mixed multitude, it seems are always hanging on with the people of God, but a mixed multitude are always a weakening element among the people of God. This mixed multitude later on got them into trouble. In Numbers we read where the mixed multitude began to lust after the things of Egypt, began to complain unto Moses. A mixed multitude is always an unhealthy thing within the body, but it is always there. Whenever God is doing a marvelous work and gathering his people together and there comes a real excitement over the things of God, a, a genuine revival of the Spirit, there are always just a certain number who just come along for the ride, who have not made a true commitment of their own lives. They are part of a mixed multitude. They're not really totally God's people. They're mixed. They find an excitement. They find it's fun to be around. They find it's, it's an interesting thing, but there is not a true heart commitment unto God, the mixed multitude, always a danger. And they baked the unleavened cakes of the dough which they brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were thrust out of the land, nor could they wait, and neither had they prepared for themselves any victuals. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. God had prophesied this to uh, Abraham back in Genesis, that they would be in the land for 400 years. It came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Now that's interesting to me that God says that it happened on the very same day. In other words, it was 430 years to a day. It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. It is the night of the Lord to be observed of all of the children of Israel in their generations or throughout their generations. And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof. But every man's servant, now no stranger is to eat of the Passover. You remember Paul warned against unbelievers partaking of communion. For he that eateth unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to his own body. And he warns about the unbelievers partaking of communion. It's not for strangers. The communion service is not for the public, the general public. It's for the body of Christ. It's for the family of God. Uh, in the Jews' celebration of their Passover, a stranger wasn't to eat of it. In fact, he goes on to say that every man's servant that is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then he can eat. But a foreigner and a hired servant shall not eat. In one house it shall be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall you break a bone of it. They weren't to break the bones of the lamb, for Jesus, of course, was to be the sacrificial lamb, and that is why they didn't break his legs as they did the other prisoners to hasten his death. 
because as a sacrificial lamb, not a bone of him could be broken. And all the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee and will keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it, and he shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. Now, if a person wanted to proselytize into the Jewish faith, there were three things that were necessary. Number one, baptism. Number two, circumcision. And number three, the partaking of Passover. And until you had gone through these three things, you were not really considered a Jew. But if you wanted to proselytize into their, into their faith and into their nation, these are the things that were required. So here we find two of the three spoken of in this particular scripture. One law shall be to him that is home-born, and unto the stranger that sojourns among you. Thus did all the children of Israel as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And it came to pass the same day that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their army. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 12 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord keep His hand upon your life as you come to a richer, fuller understanding of the grace and the love of God towards you that He has demonstrated in Jesus Christ. May He use you as His instrument in sharing that joy and peace with others. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Through the course of the years, you, our radio listeners, have provided us with valuable feedback as to what has impacted you the most, or what has moved you spiritually in your walk with God. So it's with great pleasure that The Word for Today is pleased to offer you a collection of all-time favorites entitled Pastor Chuck Smith's Most Requested Bible Studies. These messages were selected from thousands of studies that were recorded live at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa over the past 40 years. 
They represent the very best Bible studies by Pastor Chuck Smith. Every message is dynamic and filled with rich insights as Pastor Chuck expounds upon relevant issues on a variety of topics related to the Christian faith. This series will strengthen and inspire you to diligently study the Word of God and apply it to your life. You can order a copy of Pastor Chuck's most requested Bible studies available on MP3 by calling the Word for Today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.